0: Well, good morning, church, whether you're gathered here, the few of us who are in our sanctuary or whether we're in your homes, thank you for joining in with us today. There's much God wants to put in our hearts and put before you, and so thank you again uh, for all of the ways that you've responded. Now, this is a radically unusual time in the life of our church. Uh, We have known those times that we have had to uh, suspend our worship service because of, of inclement weather. Uh, But this is the first time, I think, in our history that we have had to take measures such as this because of a viral outbreak. Uh, These are days of uncertainty, folks, and so it's imperative that we hold on to that which is certain, which is uh, firm and unchanging. God's love and his presence, uh, his word and the calling on our lives. Now let me just share, uh, this has been a difficult time for for many reasons, but not the least, it's hard to be in a position of leadership at a time like this. Whether you're leader of a corporation or of a government or of a church, uh, everybody second guesses the decisions that you have to make. It's just the reality of being in a position of leadership. Uh, There are some that would think I made the wrong decision, some that would think I should have made it much earlier many that would say, well, it'd be different if I'd have done it. Well, I'm sure that might be the case. But the fact of the matter is that we have made a decision based on our love, especially for the most vulnerable in our church family, those who are older and those who have compromised immune systems, and in in keeping with what our uh, local government is doing, in keeping with the request, and it is a request from our governor, and because we love our fellowship, We're taking these measures at this time uh, to limit our large gatherings. So in case uh, you've been living under a rock and just poked your head up, our nation is in a state of panic right now. Uh, Fear has driven folks to take all kinds of necessary precautions, but it's also driven some to violence and irrational behavior. Fear can do that. It really can. For several weeks now, uh, the Lord has been bringing me over and over again to this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 1 that Derek read from earlier. And I think it's going to govern at least me and my life and my family during the course of this coronavirus outbreak. If you want to turn there in your scriptures, I'm reading for the New King James because there's a phrase that in it is maybe not in some of the others that I really think speaks to our heart right now. Paul writes to Timothy as his young protege, and he says to him, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but rather a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. There's a difference between being afraid and a spirit of fear. And we need to understand that difference because we can really see it in the day in which we're living right now. A reasonable fear, it's reasonable to be fearful at certain times and of certain things, especially things that we don't know or that we don't understand. God has given us this fear response. It's called fight or flight. And that is part of the way we're created, the way God has given us. That in and of itself is nothing wrong, but it's different with a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear is a demonic emissary from Satan himself to confuse, to cause panic, and to disrupt. And mostly that spirit drives us to rely upon our own selves, our own resources, our own power, and not to even think about the power and the love and the soundness of mind that God brings to us. There's much we don't know about this coronavirus, but what we do know frightens us. In a day of seemingly unlimited sources of news, there's an overabundance of misinformation and mistruth. And that drives us in the direction of fear. We want to rely on ourselves at this time, and God wants us to rely on Him. We cannot succumb to living in a spirit of fear. God does not want us to live in fear. And two of the best weapons, the best weapons against fear is truth and faith. Truth and faith. And we want to blend those together today in a very special kind of way. First of all, I want to talk for a minute about the truth, what it is we really know about the COVID-19 virus. And I'm not an expert in this area, so I have to yield to others who are. As I've talked to local physicians, they've said, well, you know, we're GPs or we're surgeons or we're this or we're that. What you need is an infectious disease specialist. So I found someone that I can put a lot of trust in. His name is Dr. Miguel Nunez, and he is an infectious disease expert, but he's also a pastor. He's both. And so as I read from his works, I found, okay, here's someone who knows how to balance faith and truth, and bring the two together in a way that makes sense for us at this time. So I want to just share just a little bit of of what he has written, if I may please. What is the coronavirus? Well, since the beginning of this year, we've been reading and hearing about a family of viruses known as coronaviruses. There are 69 separate viruses in this family, very few of which affects humans. The rest of the viruses are primarily contracted by animals, mostly pigs, uh, bats, and other small animals. What is this history? The medical community has known about coronavirus since the 1960s. This is not something that is new, all right? However, it was not until 2002 and 2003 that the general population became aware of this and familiar with it with an outbreak that hit in China. Eventually, it became known as SARS, S-A-R-S. Maybe you've heard of that, Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. It was an epidemic, but it happened to be contained to China. According to the World Health Organization, only about 8,000 cases were reported, but the mortality rate was near 10%. Ten years later, another strain of coronavirus erupted in Saudi Arabia with an extremely high mortality rate, this time a 35%. That epidemic was also contained. Unfortunately, 2,400 people were infected and 800 died. This was called MERS, M-E-R-S, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. And then we wouldn't hear about it again until in December of just this last year. The first reports of respiratory syndrome emerged once again in China, specifically in the Wuhan province. And the virus now is referred to, the virus is referred to as SARS-CoV-2. SARS-CoV-2, all right? The disease is COVID-19, coronavirus version 2019. So how is it transmitted? Much of this you already know, but let me just reinforce. Transmission comes through small droplets of liquid from coughs or sneezes of an infected person. It can also be transmitted by touching a surface that has these uh, uh, droplets on it and then be transferred to the mouth, to the nose, to the eyes, the mucous membranes of the body. We do not know how long the coronavirus can live outside the body, probably anywhere from hours to a few days. Now, this is important because of the length of time that you're hearing of people closing down facilities like our local schools the virus cannot live on a hard surface or whatever probably longer than just a very few days viruses are microscopic organisms that live inside of a host cell when that cell dies the virus dies okay so it's the cells in which they inhabit that we're talking about if uh, the environment the surface is wet or with high humidity, they may be able to remain alive for several days. If the surface is dry, then not so long. It's estimated that each infected patient will transmit the disease to a minimum of three people. That transmission is primarily due to these droplets, and so anyone coming in contact with that is likely to pick up the disease. Now, having, having said that, the closer you are to an infected person, the more likely you are. So again, CDC is saying, it, ordinarily our personal space is about two to three feet. If somebody steps inside two or three feet from you, they have invaded your personal space. So uh, CDC is saying extend that, double that to about six feet, Okay. And that's why here, uh, even today, uh, you know, we didn't hug one another. We didn't pat one another on the back. We didn't even bump elbows. We just waved, okay? That, this is now the Holy Baptist wave, all right? This is how we, 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 we greet one another, all right? Now, that, that is, is the case. What are the symptoms? This is important. Listen to me very carefully. Worldwide, 80% of those people who have tested positive with the coronavirus have little to no symptoms at all eighty percent eight out of ten will show very little if any symptoms whatsoever you say well hey that's great that's wonderful yes it is but then they're feeling well so they're going to be out in the general population and they can still infect people even though they themselves are feeling quite well this is why we have to be careful in terms of, of our our interaction with people Right now, okay. Uh, it is important to understand the symptoms. That primarily, they're fever, cough, shortness of breath, and headache. All right, these are the four. This is different from allergies right now we have had a very late season because of all of the rain with allergies kicking in people's allergies are really really kind of kicking in now so the 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 runny noses or the drainage down the back of the throat that's not coronavirus folks okay that's that's allergies we're still in the midst of flu season flu is not the same thing as coronavirus and the symptoms are different so understand what those symptoms are what should you do if you have these symptoms? Rush to the emergency room. No, don't do that. Call your physician. Call your physician. Let them instruct you, all right? Don't rush into a Petri dish, okay? You don't want to do that. Just take these steps along these lines. Symptoms remain mild for many times or up to 90% of the population, but 11 to 15% will pass it on to others. If you are over 60 years old, and especially if you have a compromised immune system, okay, diabetes, COPD, uh, emphysema, any of these things, please hear me. I love you. We want to minister to you. But it is best for you right now to remain home, okay? If you need something that we can help you with, you call us at the church office. We will do everything in our power to help you at this time. But for we love you too much to have you out in a large gathering to where you might contract something that could be deadly for you. Uh, the youngest are not really infected very much about this. Most of our children, uh, they, they, we have very few cases, unless there's already a comp- uh, compromised immune system, where children are contracting this and, and getting sick. But you know what? They're carriers. They're, they're carriers if they've been around someone else who is indeed infected. So we need to be careful. Why is this situation so alarming for so many? It's the sheer number of people that are rapidly getting infected. Not so much right here in the U.S. yet, but as this has been uh, checked by uh, the World Health Organizations and, and other organizations such as this, the, the bell curve where you, you have a few people, then you hit top out at the maximum number, then you go on the backside of that. China especially is on the backside of this now. We're seeing less and less uh, you know, people to be infected. Uh, 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 Italy is probably up at the top. Right now, there are others. Here in the U.S., we're on the ramping up side. So here's the thing. How can we minimize the height of that bell curve? This is what we're trying to do right now by restricting our engagement in large groups, okay? And by large groups, that includes our local grocery stores and such. Please be careful if you have to go there and stock up. If you can lower the bell curve, all right, you're lowering the number of people that are getting infected and thereby lowering the number of people who die. So this is the rationale behind why our schools have closed for right now, why our governor has asked a lot of our faith-based organizations and such to not have large meetings right now. This is why. This is what's going on behind that. What preventive measures should we take? For those of you who are here today, in your bulletin, which we did not hand out. You had to pick up on your own. There uh, is a message from your ministerial staff and also some very simple precautions. These are on the website as well. They've also been put forth in all of our social media. All right. So this is available. Uh, We're going to have these in our church office. The church office is going to be open. If you want to stop by and get these or you can access them online. And basically it has to do with what we need to be doing when we're in flu season anyway. A lot of hand washing, okay? Staying away from crowds is a good rule of thumb. Again, requiring personal space. Don't invite somebody too much into your personal space. Cover your mouth or nose uh, when you cough or sneeze. And then when you do that, go wash your hands, all right? And one of the reasons we're not doing the elbow bump right here is where have we taught people to cough and sneeze? Right into the elbow, then we go bumping it, all right? Let's not do the holy wave, remember? We're into the holy wave. All right, that's what we're doing right now. At home, uh, clean hard surfaces. uh, And again, uh, uh, the CDC has told us most over-the-counter disinfectant wipes work fine for this. Now, I know they're harder and harder to find, but you've probably got some right there within your home. Clean the hard surfaces uh, within your home. We have been doing that in an extravagant measure here at your church. And we're especially giving attention to our office area because our offices will remain open and we as your staff and ministers continue to take these precautions as well. As believers, Dr. Munoz writes, how do we need to think about this? Without a doubt, we must be prudent and responsible both in observing the recommended measures and maintaining our own health. The world population seems to be in a panic, but for us as Christians, it's important to emphasize There is no reason to experience such anxiety, especially when we consider that the God we serve is the God of the heavens and the earth, the same God who controls every microbe, every atom, and every molecule, okay? Understand the God in which we serve at a time just like this. It's a real good time for us as Christians to demonstrate sanity, peace, and hope, and and recognizing that our lives do not depend on whether or not a microorganism enters our body. Our lives are in the hand of our Almighty God. And he refers us to Philippians 4, 6, and I think this is a good place to be, where Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the God of peace, oh, God of peace, how we need you right now in our country. The God of peace, who surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds, and your minds through Christ Jesus. So now's the time for us to call Christians to be at peace, even in the worst of these circumstances, because God is sovereign in each of our lives, in our church family, in our community. So let me step away from Dr. Nunez and what he has, has encouraged us. And let me talk just for a moment about steps we're taking right here in our church family. Until further notice, we're not gathering in large groups for worship, for meals, for fellowship. There will be small groups that will meet for ne- if they take necessary precautions, they will meet to perform various ministries that we feel are required in our church family and in our community at this time. The church office will remain open, and we're specifically encouraging, again, our senior results or anyone with uh, compromised immune systems, please don't be out and about if you can help it. If we can help with something, if we can go get you some groceries, if we can go get you some aspirin or whatever the case may be, please let us know. We'll bring it to your doorstep and leave it there, okay? Uh, We're not going to come in and and wipe your nose for you, but we will help in any possible and conceivable way that we can. Uh, Again, listen, folks, we love our fellowship. We love to get together. We love to love one another and hug on one another and, and such. We are a loving, close, communing congregation, and I love that. But right now, that is an enemy for us. We need to be prudent. We need to be very careful and such. Our facilities, when you come here, for those of you here today, when you come here, I want you to know your facilities have been well cleaned and maintained by our staff, okay? They have worked overtime to be sure every area, especially common areas like right here in the sanctuary, are well cleaned and disinfected. The backs of the pews, uh, the doors as you open them, the light switches, all of the hard surfaces, they have given themselves abundantly to that. They'll be at it again tomorrow. And especially our office area will be giving all kinds of special attention there because you may be coming in for whatever reason. So we want to give you every uh, care that we possibly can. I've asked all of our adult Sunday school teachers through Derek to come up with a system to where you can be very well in touch with all the members of your, your class. This is probably one of the most outreaching arms that touches more people in our church family than any other organization we have. It doesn't touch everybody, but it touches so many, such a large percentage in our church family. I'm asking these church teachers and leaders to come up with a means whereby they can be in touch with every member of their class at least once preferably twice every week if there are needs that they discover if they can meet that as a class please do that we will help in any way we can but if not contact our church office we'll do everything we can that is prudent and reasonable to help with those needs our deacons are doing the same thing with their families because all of their families are at high risk and so they're doing that as well i've asked our media personnel to enable us to through various social media, our website and such, to keep you well-informed. Anytime there's any decision made or anything like that, we will be posting that on our website. We'll be posting that by all means of social media. And if sometimes we may even do telephone calling through our Sunday school classes or deacon families, but to try to keep you informed. Uh, just... Check with these various sources or call the church office and we'll be glad to answer any questions you might have. As long as we are well and it's prudent to do so, your ministerial staff will provide continue worship like we are uh, today, teaching and other ministries uh, via website and social media. This will start as early as tomorrow morning with some of our ministries. So please be aware of that and stay up on those. Specific instructions of how to access those as they become available. Again, call the church office or we'll post that on our media or on our websites. Because I know so many of you are deeply committed not only to your church but to kingdom enterprises, it's also important for us to provide a means by which you can continue to give and to support our ministries. So now is a good time, if you haven't already, to do our online giving. Go to our website. It's very, very secure. That you can work on it there. You can contact uh, your bank for straight drafts from your checking account uh, into the churches or if you just want to drop something by the church stay in your car if you want to just call us we'll run out and get it. I know for many of you it is so important to be able to be obedient to the Lord and continue to support all of the kingdom enterprises. You know what ministry here in Blairsville in our state in our nation and around the world will continue and so we need to be know that we're, we're continuing to support each and every one of these in the process. We also want to continue to minister to our community. I'm quite certain our benevolence ministry is going to spike. And because of that, those who work in our benevolence ministry are going to be prepared starting tomorrow uh, to meet whatever needs reasonably that we can in our community. We're not well stocked with non-perishable items who are Feed the Hungry Ministry, we can help there. There are other resources that we have. We are also meeting regularly. We've got another couple of meetings again tomorrow uh, with our local ministers and other leaders and government and such to continue to see how are ways that we can minister in this time, even it is a time of crisis, and we have to be prudent, we have to be careful, but how can we minister in the midst of what all is going on to our community and then through around the world? Finally, let me just simply say this. I refuse to live in fear. And I encourage you to refuse to live in fear. That does not mean that I'm going to take, uh, not take the necessary precautions. I am. It does not mean that I'm going to needlessly put myself at risk. No. What it means is I'm going to confront my fear with the power of God, with the love of God, and with the soundness of mind that He has given us. We cannot allow the spirit of fear to take opportunity in what's going on in our area to drive us into absolute seclusion and not to be engaged in winning this world for Christ and ministering to the needs of very real hurt in our community. So we want you to be well informed. We're going to act responsibly uh, in the best possible way we can to continue every ministry that we'll touch. This is a time for responsible action. I've outlined some of those uh, above, but your ministers and I again meet daily uh, to to find out how can we improve on what we're doing and how can we continue to reach out even further in our community. Once again, as long as it is prudent, we'll seek to find ways to minister to you and to our community at large. It's very important to hear the word of God here, so I want to go again this time to Romans chapter 12. I'm beginning reading in verse 9, Paul says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil. Cling to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. And honor giving preference to one another. Not lagging behind in diligence. Rather being fervent in spirit and serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer distributing to the needs of the saints, and given to hospitality. I think we need to follow that admonition, follow it to the greatest. One of the greatest actions we can take is the action of prayer. I'm calling on you now that whatever time you would spend in worship, whatever time you would spend getting ready to be here, whatever time you would spend preparing Sunday school lessons or or Preparing to be in one of our small group Bible studies. Whatever time you would ordinarily do that. But take time to pray. This is a time for prayer. Pray for your your church family. Pray for your church leaders. Pray for your city and state and national leaders at a time like this. Our president has called the day to be a national day of prayer. And so we want to follow suit with this. Even today. So as we take these last few moments, it's going to be a call to prayer. I'm going to ask Derek to come, if he will, and to lead us in a time of prayer. This is a time not to succumb to the spirit of fear, but rather open ourselves to what God wants to give us for his power, his love, and a soundness of mind. Derek, come and lead us, please.